0: So I guess there's a little bit of backstory. So when I was in, I guess it would have been when I was in medical school and I was on, I must've been on a slow rotation or something like that. Cause I, this is really kind of when I in, like got into Star Trek again, cause I'd watched, you know, I'd seen Next Generation just randomly on TV as a kid, cause my dad would watch it. And when I was in probably middle school it would have been, I had a couple of friends that were really into to Voyager. And so they would occasionally, I would either like watch it on UPN or they would like tape episodes and give them to me and I would watch them on videotape. Um, and I remembered like, it seemed cool, but then it not really like seriously watched it for a while. And so I decided to, to watch it, like start to finish on Netflix and loved Voyager. And then kind of that got me, into it enough that I then went from there to the original series, watched all of that, watched all the next generation. Mm -hmm. All that to say when I, so the first time I watched this episode, I actually had no idea who Reg Barkley was. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a very, it was like an interesting, if I remember right, like experience of like this character that I had zero experience or familiarity with as the star of this episode.
1: Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that that would be a strange, uh, you know there there's I, I think a lot of people who like uh, Star Trek Enterprise really don't like the finale of of that show because I think it is in this weird similar like framing device where where it's like Troy and but mostly Riker yeah. kind of having a problem that then they have to
0: yeah if I re- I think I've read about it and it's like Riker like essentially goes to the holodeck and simulates. Enterprise to, like, help them solve the problem. Or, like, it, it... Yeah. We should probably not talk about this too much, since clearly neither of us have seen it, but I almost got the impression that, like, it's doesn't entirely suggest that all of Enterprise, like, exists as a holodeck simulation by William Riker. Like, this is just one long thing that happens during Next Generation, But but that episode, at least, definitely, like, instead of kind of finishing off the Enterprise story, it just, like, tells this little story of riker and him going on enterprise Mm. in the holiday yeah
1: all all that to say i don't really know i looked up in multiple places i didn't do a ton of research on this but i looked up in multiple places to find out what possessed them to do this (laughs) and i i could not find that out like were
0: they trying to like boost ratings by being like we're gonna have characters you know and love from uh, next generation
1: yeah, I, I don't. I just don't. Know. I don't know. I, like maybe just uh, everyone wanted to get off of work early. At Voyagers. <laughs> I don't know. But,
0: yeah, one uh, thing. One thing and, I did. I did read is that apparently. So there's a line that uh, Troy says where she says, "I've decided to ask Captain Picard for like some time off or like some short leave, like essentially saying that she's going to stay on Earth and work with. Oh, I read this Reg for a yeah, while, <laughs> and apparently for the. TV ad for this, the, 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 like, preview that they would run on TV for, like, this week on Star Trek Voyager, they recut it, because they were obviously going to advertise that they had Deanna Troy on Voyager this week, and then she said, they could recut it so it sounds like she said, I've decided to ask Captain Picard for help. So, like, kind of the, it's like... Just,
1: just straight up lying about...
0: Like, editing to sort <laughs> of, like, appearance. make it sound like there was, like, a chance that Picard and the Enterprise were going to show up on on Voyager somehow, but instead, this is what we got.
1: Hi everybody, and welcome to Out of Contracts, the show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard.
0: And I'm Brady Jungle.
1: And welcome to the last episode of Star Trek to air in the 1990s, according to... uh <laughs> according to uh memory alpha this uh huh. is this is pathfinder which is uh uh season 6 episode 10 of star trek voyager it came out on december 1st 1999 the the final month of of the of the of the, the decade was almost entirely without uh star
0: trek Yes, yeah, so they probably went on like, break for the holidays or something
1: yep uh, so, this episode is uh, written by David Zabel and Kenneth Biller, and it's directed by Mike uh, Vejar, um, who, according to Memory Alpha, I've clicked on his name before. I don't re- remember why. But, I, um, yeah,
0: I feel like I remember having a, a discussion about him before, because we were trying to figure out whether or not you could pronounce his name V'ger.
1: Okay, yeah, um, yeah but, that, that makes sense.
0: <laughs> but they, they do actually specify on his Memory Alpha page that it's pronounced Vehar.
1: Yeah, well, I think he he did he did another episode of Voyager that we that we've talked about for the show. So. Um, yeah. Anyway, so the synopsis for this on Memory Alpha is when the Enterprise E returns home to Earth, Lieutenant Barclay seeks Counselor Deanna Troi's help when she when he worries that he has become obsessed with the crew of Voyager. Enterprise E being the uh, the Enterprise that was built after, so the Enterprise D is the uh, is the Enterprise that is in the. TNG show, and the Enterprise-E yes. is the one that gets built after, uh, I believe, in Generations, right? That's from the ship...
0: Is it? Yeah, I was trying to remember all of that, but...
1: Yeah, the ship crashes in, in Generations, I believe, yeah. Yeah, so this is... Uh, I guess before we get into like the actual part of this episode, like, this is a really weird episode, because, as you may have noticed if you're a big Star Trek fan, the two people who are mentioned in the synopsis are uh, a main cast member from TNG and a... Uh, recurring character is probably on like five or six episodes of TNG.
0: Yeah, um, if if that.
1: And then he's in one of the movies of T of, of TNG. Is
0: he really? I don't know that I remember that.
1: Yeah, he's in like one scene in First Contact where he meets um, Cochrane and then is just huh. starstruck, basically. Uh, sure. But um, and so the whole entire show is is basically. The show is, like, it's a framing device, so the show is set mostly in Barclay, who is, like, this, you know, science officer, basically, who was kind of uh, neurotic, I guess. I, I hope that's not, like, a disparaging term, but he's kind of kind of a neurotic uh, science officer on Enterprise, and he apparently now has left the ship, and it's in his apartment, and Counselor Troy has come to talk to him, and then he tells in flashback what he's been doing which again is all about him and yeah and then you kind of tangentially see Voyager characters in what he's doing but even then they're not the real Voyager yeah, characters yeah
0: he's recreated Voyager on the holodeck and is going there there's a little note on the bottom of memory alpha that like the actual like quote unquote real crew of Voyager doesn't appear till like 36 minutes into the episode? Like
1: a 42-minute a episode show or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's pretty weird. Uh, now, I, I like uh, Barclay usually when he shows up, or at least I like his episodes. I'm not sure how much you're supposed to like him sometimes, but I find his episodes uh, interesting. Like Hollow Pursuits, the first episode he's in where he is like addicted to spending time on the holodeck is a really good TNG episode. And he's in yeah. some other good TNGs, too. But uh, this is a very weird episode and uh I did not take very many notes during it. And it was not because I didn't have anything to say. I think I was truly just weirded out by watching this episode in a way that I kinda just forgot to take notes for a while.
0: Yeah, you kinda couldn't look away.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was almost as if like we should have had the Here's Johnny people on the show because this is this is like maybe <laughs> the closest that I've seen a Star Trek episode come to like existential horror but um not
0: necessarily intentionally though <laughs> i feel
1: yes i think probably the first time that i wrote any notes was about 30 minutes in when uh he goes to tom paris's dad's office and i just wrote weird picture frame because there's a very weird picture frame uh holding a picture of tom paris in in
0: oh uh, yeah it's like paris's it's like hanging office. from something or like weirdly
1: yeah it's like a picture that's like suspended between these two poles at like a at an angle which apparently according to the trivia in this episode is actually a picture of uh what's the guy's name uh
0: robert duncan mcneil
1: yeah a picture of robert duncan mcneil from when he was an extra on um on tng uh rather than his actual uh you know character that he plays on on voyager but but um yeah so let's uh, let's let's go here. Let's, yeah, let's, uh,
0: the, and I may kind of quickly go through the the plot of this because yeah, I feel like there's a lot to to dig into more on a more like granular level of what this episode actually is. But
1: I really liked this episode until the end, which I vehemently disliked. Uh, okay, I think that like the end of this episode, the moral of this episode is. One of the worst ones that we've done on the show. It's not as worse as the moral of uh, Ilana Troyes, which is just "I hate women."
0: Yeah, that. Uh, not not counting that as but a moral. It's
1: pretty bad. But it's, yeah, it's I, pretty...
0: I agree. And again, we've we've had a few episodes. I feel where we've commented on this being the case, but this is definitely the worst. Where, like, if an episode, you know, Star Trek very mo- definitely like will do episodes that are about like a metaphor for a real life thing. And, but if you carry that through the lesson that you're supposed to learn about that thing ends up being like the exact opposite of what I feel like they should be saying about it.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, it's really the same problem that I have with the Alfred Hitchcock movie uh, rear window. I don't think we, we did not talk about this on the show. Have I think we we? Have, no. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll, we'll, we'll, when we get to that part, okay. I'll, I'll,
0: yeah, back I'll, back I'll that. speed through the, the plot and then we'll, we'll get to, to that and why the ending is, is, is problematic. So the the framing device for, I think the whole episode, or at least right up until the end, is that this is a story that, like Deanna Troy is still working on the Enterprise, but she's come back to Earth for, because that's where the Enterprise is, and she's come to visit uh, Reg Barkley in his apartment. And he's kind of telling her the story of what's been going on with him. Um, in <laughs> I, I did make a note that apparently he's just... Cause this happened, I forget, I, forget, I was going to look and I, I forget how long, how kind of long ago this happened, this story, but like, it's been some days or weeks maybe since he got, so basically since he got fired.
1: Oh really? I didn't that. Or is like it that...
0: like, did this like just happen?
1: I think it just, I'm pretty sure it just happened. Oh, okay. Cause he, cause I think they, they, he says that like he talked with admiral paris like the previous day
0: oh really okay
1: i thought that's what he said anyway
0: okay i just i just made a note of how how funny i found it that he just just hanging around his own apartment still wearing his starfleet uniform
1: his unzipped starfleet uniform having like a true like nervous breakdown like he 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 is
0: yes again he's he's a character that's always kind of nervous and anxious and kind of socially awkward but yeah is really like kind of falling apart in in this episode. Mm-hmm. And and what he ends up telling is that he's been the project that he's been working on for he works at the Starfleet the Communications Research Center and he's working on something called the Pathfinder project which is essentially researching is there a way to do science to send a message to Voyager all the way in the Delta Quadrant. And he's been working on this project, and he's like, he's very good at science, but is at the same time bad at social situations, kind of difficult to get along with. Um, and that's always been kind of his character. Uh, and the, the leader of this project is this guy who considers him a friend and is trying to work with him and help him and be patient with him because he thinks he can contribute a lot to the project.
1: What's the guy's name? Is it, is Pete something?
0: Is it Harkins or
1: Pete Harkins? Yes, yep, yep.
0: Pete Harkins. Um, him. I nearish the ending. I'm gonna have to come back to some of my thoughts about what they did with him. But, mm-hmm. but he. Uh, so Reg comes up with this this theory that he can. There's essentially a different way to go about this project. That they can do this kind of more risky thing with the array that they're using and create. A tiny wormhole going between them and wherever Voyager is, so they can actually send messages back and forth instead of just like broadcasting something out there.
1: Well, at first he wants to make a regular sized wormhole, right? And then he oh yeah, and it, then it's only after they know that that won't work refinement that he that he decides that actually a tiny wormhole will, be, will work.
0: So, and basically he's told. No, making wormholes too risky is going to use too much resources. Just like work on the job that you've been assigned for this project, and he kind of won't won't let it quit. And essentially, you find out that he's he even admits that he's become obsessed not just with like the project of communicating with Voyager, but he's developed this like very intense obsession with Voyager itself and, like, the crew and the people on Voyager. And he's made this holodeck program that every night, instead of, like, sleeping at home in his own bed because he can't sleep there, he'll, like, go...
1: To his office.
0: Yeah, he'll go to his the, the holodeck in his office where he's working and go to Voyager and, like, hang out with all of the people on Voyager. And he's programmed this so that they like him and he's cool. And, like, everyone's like, Hey, it's the best person on the on Voyager, Reg. And, you know, <laughs> Captain Janeway tells him, like, I don't know what we'd do without you, Reg, and kind of all this stuff. Uh, he plays poker mm-hmm. with with them, and he beats Tuvok at poker. And, and and you know, he's just kind of living this, like, fantasy life.
1: One thing I liked about these, these scenes, too, is I thought this was, like, a nice little production note that all of the characters in the holodeck versions of them have their... Season one hairstyles and and outfits on.
0: Yeah, because that's kind of the last that anyone back on Earth would know about them. So like the the crew members that were part of the Maquis are still wearing Maquis gear. And yeah, and I did I did notice that like, uh, Janeway in particular has her like high and tight hairdo instead of the. Yeah,
1: I think Chakotay has an early haircut also. Oh Uh, yeah, but yeah, I I I thought that was like a nice little that was like a nice little touch because they never. They never like reference it explicitly but it's like a good a good little like oh yeah like this is this is what Yeah they would that know.
0: would be what what they would think they would look like yeah And so but at the same time he's also sort of using Voyager to like that's where he's continuing to work on this project so he'll you know kind of talk through it with them or like do experiments using the Voyager like equipment or that um, just kind of because that allows him to like think more clearly and and work through this project that he's not supposed to be working on of how to make a wormhole to communicate with Voyager. And Harkins finds out that he's doing this and really, like, for his own, like, mental health and and benefit, like, essentially fires him from the project. Like, it basically says, it's what you're doing isn't healthy. You need to go home until we tell you to come back.
1: He doesn't even fire him, really. He just says, You can't, you're fired until you seek counseling. So he's not even saying, like, you can't work here anymore. He's just kind of saying, like, Get some help. What you're doing is not mentally sound. And it's not, like, he's correct. Right. But-
0: <laughs> Especially because, like you referenced, one of the big, I, I think, probably what Reg is best known for in Enterprise is, is Hollow Pursuits, which is the episode where yeah. that deals with, very much with addiction and he has. The story of that is that he has an addiction to the holodeck. Like it's kind of, he goes into it very similarly to this, and they reference it. And he's like, "Oh no, this isn't like my hollow addiction," but it strikes me as very much exactly the right. same, right? Is that he's created yes. this sort of escapist fantasy, and he is dependent on it. Well,
1: you find out later that it's it's basically for the same reason too. Because so, yeah, this is worth going into a little bit more. I think yeah. that. Because it's not, yeah, it's not even just that he's done doing the same thing. But you're right, he is. It's also, you know, you find out at the end of the episode, he says to Deanna that like he's lonely. Yeah, he doesn't know how, he doesn't know how he's going to like make friends now that he's off the Enterprise. And that's very similar to how he felt when he first joined the Enterprise in *Hollow Pursuits*. That he basically felt really uncomfortable and awkward, and and like did not know how to behavior on other people and how to, like, make friends or meet people and things like that. And so he basically is reverting to this exact same stuff.
0: Yeah, because he would write these programs where where he was the cool guy and everybody liked him and and that was much more appealing to him than, than real life where he is kind of this outsider. Mm-hmm. I will say that one thing they kind of, they're not, never totally explicit about, but I think what they're trying to get at is that part of why he's why he, like, initially becomes so passionate about Voyager and obsessed with it is that he sees because he talks a couple times about how they must be so lonely out there that like they're you know in a different quadrant of the galaxy with no one around that they're so far away from anyone that knows them and he says like they are completely alone or they're so lonely and I think he sees
1: sort of a parallel yeah
0: he identifies with that and I think that's why he at least initially became so so passionate about this. Mhm. But it definitely has progressed to the point of a like unhealthy and self-destructive obsession, which then kind of culminates with after he's been fired, he sneaks back in the middle of the night to basically set up this this wormhole to communicate with Voyager against everything he's been told to do. And he runs the program and starts the array beaming and creates the wormhole and starts like sort of scanning through these different areas where they think voyager could be
1: this is the point in the episode where i started to have a bad feeling about how it was going to end (laughs) based on based on like what i was Uh kind of guessing was going to happen which is what which is basically what What happened (laughs) go on go on
0: so then harkins comes in to the office and says tells him to shut it down and he Runs into the holodeck and starts continuing to run this experiment from within his like fake Voyager, and he kind of recruits the crew of Voyager to like help him protect himself from these security officers that Harkins is sending after him to try to stop him.
1: Yeah, it's very like uh, you know we we talked about like in one of our earlier Voyager episodes the kind of imagination station parallels for those people who grew up listening to much <laughs> Odyssey. It is like one of those where there's a lot of kind of, well, he's using, he's locked out the security protocols of the thing. And that,
0: yeah, he's controlling it from inside.
1: Yeah. Where it's like, they're just actually just running around like a empty room, but uh, <laughs> right. they can't, they right. can't catch him because, because he's, there's he's like beams of light between them. Yeah.
0: Things. Um, yeah. And so, and this is the part where I, felt like Harkins was kind of portrayed a little unfairly because they do this weird thing with this character where like, at least for this little bit, he's almost like the, I mean, he is the antagonist, but almost like kind of in a like villainous way where I feel like it's presented of like, you're supposed to be rooting for Reg and, and like Harkins is like this mean guy that's trying to stop him. When in reality, Harkins is like, again, like the closest thing he has to a friend and only acting out of his... Like for Reg's own good, I feel like.
1: Yeah, trying to like stop someone who clearly has a mental illness from potentially harming himself, basically, is what he's doing. Like
0: Yeah, like is is really all that he's doing, right? Because Harkins earlier on has even been like he's been trying to sort of bring Reg out. He invites him to come like have dinner with him and his wife
1: he tries to hook him up with his sister-in-law like he he tries to he tries to like matchmake him
0: yeah he's trying to be like a friend to him and he he clearly like can see kind of what he's going through and again is the one that encourages him to get help and is trying to take care of him but for like this these few scenes is is sort of portrayed the other way as just like the mean authority figure that's trying to stop him from doing what he knows he should
1: i yeah i'm not even sure I don't know. I think at some point the the episode does flip so that you're on Reg's side, but I don't really yeah. even really know when it happens. I'm, I'm not sure that I even felt that way about these scenes that he was the bad guy. Maybe it was just because I was so convinced that he was right. But
0: I, I didn't either. Again, like I, I didn't want to, but I felt like it was being pushed kind of that way. That like it it did kind of. And so then again, kind of long story short, whatever Reg is doing ends up working and they actually are like the wormhole works, the message goes through to Voyager kind of right as they're about to catch him and shut the whole thing down, a message comes back and they are actually able to have this sort of brief conversation back and forth with with the actual Voyager. And that's when, you know, this is now, now Voyager knows that, that Starfleet is still looking for them and still like trying to work to bring them back and Starfleet knows that Voyager's okay.
1: That's a good scene to that, that is because
0: because like, they they also i guess we didn't mention them before this, but this is all kind of being ultimately i guess overseen or like presented to admiral uh Paris, who's Tom Paris's father, who's like this very kind of high up and well respected admiral, and so he gets to be like he shows up as this is happening and and is there and actually gets to sort of talk back and forth a little bit with his son and he knows that his son's alive and gets to tell tom that he's proud of him for some unknown reason. Yeah. Because clearly Owen Paris does not watch Voyager.
1: You know, sometimes parents love their children and it's not always logical, it's just a biological imperative. Right. <laughs> he like later on he gets all the ship's logs and he's like, "Oh man, Tom, you're kind of a tool." Like, but <laughs> "Why are you why are you hitting all these women and Talking about how 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 great the death penalty is and stuff right. like that. Like how some races are just more predisposed to be criminals than other races. Yeah,
0: you uh you you took that side of that one, really?
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh but um but still a good a good scene and it probably is. aided by the fact that Tom Paris does not speak during it. Uh he just gets to like kinda look sad. So Yeah, it's true, and like Jane kinda talks on his behalf. Definitely the best thing, though, about that whole thing is what happens right before it, which is when Seven gets the transmission and we are introduced to an episode of Voyager that I truly wish we would have been able to see, which is that that scene begins with Neelix coming into uh, Seven's quarters and saying... (laughs) it's time you told me you're going to teach me how to sing. Yeah. (laughs) Which like made me laugh out loud.
0: And she tells him that like his vocal cords are not capable of music or something like that.
1: And I, I, yeah, that's (laughs) like one of, one of two notes that I wrote, which is I want to see this episode of like, how did this come to be that Neelix wanted to learn how to sing, decided that seven was the person to teach him how to sing.
0: Convinced seven to actually give him some lessons.
1: Yeah. Right. It just, it, it, it just, it was almost like this weird thing of we, we now join this episode of the sitcom Star Trek Voyager already in progress kind (laughs) of, uh, which I found pretty uh, delightful, but, um, yeah, but that, that, that's a good, that's all like good stuff though. You know, and also like the first time you actually see, uh, Voyager people on the show, but,
0: um, yeah. And so I guess that's really kinda it. They you know, they have this message back and forth and then there's a couple little wrap-up scenes. There's one on Voyager where uh the crew kind of celebrates like Hey, how cool it is that we were able to at least briefly communicate with Starfleet and with Earth. Um and they they raise a toast to you know, to Reg Barkley, the guy who made all of this possible, or something like that.
1: That scene I really thought was there's something and I don't know if this was intentional or not. I hope it was, but given the way that Barkley is kind of feated in the rest of this this part of the episode, I kind of think that it wasn't. But there is something that, if it was intentional, is like kind of sinister about that scene, which I like that idea of, which is basically, I believe Tom Paris is the one who says, "Like, they let's toast to to Barkley, whoever he is," and. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like, what kind of like a kind of a shattering thing if if Barkley were ever to hear this, that basically, you know, he has been what he feels like is in a relationship with these people.
0: Part of the crew. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And they have no idea who he is. You know, right before that, basically, they ask the doctor if he knows who he is and the doctor makes a HIPAA violation <laughs> and says, well, he's kind of a weirdo. Like and and. Yeah.
0: He is allergic to pineapple, though. So. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> But maybe that is an intentional thing now that I'm thinking about it, because it kind of they almost go out of their way to be like these people don't actually know who this guy is, and so like him like feeling a relationship with with them like he is he is like deluding himself basically mm-hmm. and it's this kind of it's a much darker edged meaning I think than like the rest of this part of the episode, which is basically forcing all the other characters, including this maybe really mad Troy, to be like, well, what you totally, what you did was totally cool and good, and good job, and that's, and you're awesome, and don't change your behavior. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, I'm glad that worked out for you. <laughs>
1: uh, that that,
0: ugh. yeah,
1: this part of it infuriated me.
0: Because again, because he's presented as like clearly having a, like a real like psychiatric problem that has gotten to the point of being self-destructive, and. It seems like the lesson is, like, if you just keep doing that hard enough and long enough, it'll all work out for you.
1: Or Man. just, like, yeah, I think that that's an interpretation or just the interpretation of, basically, if you are productive, if you are successful, then your mental struggles are worth it, basically. That, that, hmm. Or that, like, you being, you having these issues and not not behaving in a healthy way and and doing things that like will hurt other people is okay as long as you are successful like the the way that the especially um pete kind of turns when he's arrested barclay he says oh this this is you know really you're not doing the right thing and then the message comes in from voyager and then he then like that happens, and then Pete looks over for him and says, "You did it," and and it's it's so it's so just like toxic and and terrible, and also totally unnecessary because I I think that there's a little bit more of a justifiable defense of of Barclay here if this truly was his his only resort basically, but it's explicitly not because the. The previous day, he had talked to Admiral Paris, and Admiral Paris said, look, I will order like a study on this to see if it's viable, and then if it is, we'll try it. And then yeah. he even is there because he said, I did a study on this, and it's viable, so let's do it. So basically, the whole previous stuff, that, that didn't have to happen. He could have just, just, as Troy had recommended, to be patient, and yeah. then it would have worked out the same. It would have worked out uh, as well. Because I
0: think he even says, like, when the Admiral tells him that, that, like you know, we'll look into this and, like, see if we can pursue this theory that you had and, like, see if it'll work. He actually gets upset about that because because he says, like, but I want to be the one to do it. Mm-hmm. Entirely, again, because of his own, like, unhealthy obsession is what he can't get over. Um, we may be beating a dead horse at this point, but, like, and then that is rewarded because he does get to be the one to do it.
1: Yeah, it's really... It was really frustrating to see this end this way. This is what made me think too about uh, Riowendo is that because it, it does seem like for the most of the show, it does seem like they're taking I think what a more appropriate view of this topic would be is is that like Pete and Troy both seem genuinely concerned for his well being, and he is making some genuinely concerning actions yeah. and. And then, even to the point where he locks himself into uh, the holodeck at the end, yeah, he, he's making this worse and worse for himself. And so, it does seem like the show is like showing this kind of like spiral of well, addiction, but also like just obsession and and you know all these other things he's dealing with. But it reminds me of Rear Window in that and it's been a long time since I've seen Rear Window, but I remember watching it when I was younger and just really not liking the way that movie ends. Have you seen that movie?
0: No, Rear Window I haven't seen.
1: Okay, so basically it's about a guy, played by uh, Jimmy Stewart, who has hurt himself, and so he is confined uh, to his apartment. Um, I think he's in a wheelchair. And he starts basically spying on someone across the like through his through his rear window okay for some like across like his like apartment park or whatever and he sees this person who is doing some stuff that he is convinced means that this guy murdered somebody but then multiple characters throughout the movie are saying well no he was just rolling up a carpet or he was just doing this or that and there's a perfectly logical explanation for what this is, and, and there's even a character who I think is like a reporter who who kind of says, "I went, I checked into this, and there's actually this is the reason why." And he is convinced this whole time that, no, 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 like something is going on over there, mm-hmm. and then the movie ends. With, oh, it turns out the guy was a murderer and there was something going on over there. And and so, like, it kind of, like, the moral of the movie kind of becomes it's totally okay to spy on people and invent stuff in your head.
0: Your delusions may actually be true.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. And and not, I don't want to, like, be someone who's offering notes to Alfred Hitchcock. So I'm not going to say, like, what I would have done or whatever, (laughs) like that, because that's a fool's errand. But I I just, it becomes this weird celebration and justification of uh, paranoia in a way that I don't really think is like a healthy message to be sending. Uh, Yeah. And I kind of felt like that, but this one that, yeah, the whole time it seems like it's leading up to this thing of what you're doing is not cool. But then at the end, it it does end with Deanna over at Barclay's house. Toasting him. Yeah. Yeah. Saying like, Hey, great job. Like it's, it's awesome. You know, that you did this. And I I think it's just, I don't know. It's, it's frustrating to me. I have some more I want to talk about actually with, with like all of this, his stuff, but I want to make sure that you, can get it and if you have something you want to say uh, i don't want to just keep on talking about my stuff
0: yeah no i think uh, I, th- I think that's i mean that, again that's the biggest issue with and i i feel like we're we're focusing mostly on this and like it's it's not necessarily overall like i think the performances are good it wasn't a terrible episode i feel like to watch up until you kind of saw the direction it was going um i i guess the the only other issue i I had a little bit with is I remember liking Reg as a character from, from next generation. Um, and I think Mm. he, especially initially was sort of introduced as a kind of like a little bit less, you know, he's less perfect than on a crew like TNG where the main crew members have very few real flaws. I feel like, right. Like, Worf may not be a great parent.
1: Well, yeah, Worf is Worf <laughs> is definitely the most flawed, I would say. Of the, yeah, but the
0: like cast. you know, especially like Picard and Riker are both like the cream of the crop of Starfleet officers, and you know, well, like it's the, it's the flagship, it's the flagship, yeah, uh, and like of Starfleet, Data is only the best of the best, like literally perfect by design. Geordi is brilliant and charming and fun and like great. You know, so so they he was kind of this character that was a little bit easier to identify with as like a, an outsider among these and like a person that had had issues that he was dealing with, but I think over time it became this like weird thing where, whenever they had at least and again not entirely I'm sure but I feel like there were like multiple whenever they would do an episode about some sort of. Like mental health related issue they would just give it to reg so it almost seems like in the future there's only one person in the whole galaxy that has any sort of like psychiatric condition and he has all of them Hmm. um that he has addiction issues he has i think he has like phobia
1: oh he has transporter phobia
0: and again i i guess in the end of 1999 maybe this wasn't as clearly defined of a thing and I don't know how intentional it was, but like, I don't know if he's being presented as being like on the sort of Asperger's autistic spectrum or if he's more just supposed to be socially awkward or like anxious or neurotic or something like that but, you know, it's clearly someone that has issues with relating to people and communicating with people outside of these fake holodeck worlds that he makes and he just, yeah, he's just kind of like Present like he's sort of this like train wreck that has all these issues that it's very rare to discuss anybody else having any sort of issues i guess there's the one where seven of nine has ptsd um mm-hmm. but yeah it it kind of was a little weird to me that kind of narratively because he's used for that in multiple different things it sort of seems like he's the only person that has any sort of issues and he has a different issue every time
1: that's an interesting interpretation of that. I, I think it kind of ties in a little bit to what I was kind of thinking about Which with this, is that I, I actually don't know that he was ever like supposed to be super-duper relatable and like just a kind of a nice guy who you were supposed to feel bad for. I, I think that's true to a degree, but I think this kind of ties into why this episode made me so mad at the end, because... Now, I I certainly, as someone who, like, has some social anxiety and also who I think, you know, Reg also has an issue with feeling like he is not a useful person unless he is kind of uh, sublimating his own, like, needs to to help other people in a way. Hmm. Because basically, like, Troy has to tell him, like. It's not just the Voyager. You need to think about yourself. Like you need to think about your own health and your mental stability and stuff. And and he's kind of does not want to hear that. And and, and I certainly have had issues with that myself, where I kind of spend all my time trying to make sure that other people's emotional well being is correct, and I don't always consider myself. And so like I I find that kind of identifiable. But I think the thing that is about Reg that is has always been kind of interesting is that he is. To me, kind of like this weird knife's edge type of a person where there are some things about him that are good and relatable, especially if you are kind of like a slightly uncomfortable male nerd but I think that there there's like a weird kind of like scary, frightening potency to that character that I think is intentional on their part, at least some of the time, because the thing is, I mean, I don't know the last time you watched tall pursuits is, but he is the stuff he does in that episode is like genuinely creepy and like super duper over the line, because it's not just that he feels uncomfortable in that episode. He basically, he has created this, this versions of like the main cast members who the women, especially, uh, uh, Troy, who he seems to have kind of a crush on, yeah, he's turned them into these like kind of like submissive simulations of themselves, where they like they are obsessed with it him, just are, like and fawn they, over him, yeah, yeah, and then he makes all of the the men each of these like really kind of I guess the term maybe like, emasculated people who he can kind of like tell off and like even like beat up and like be mean to, and. And then he, I don't know if you notice this, like, he kind of does the same thing in this show. Not, not, not as much with the men. The men he seems to all have, like, a pretty good relationship with. But, like, with yeah. he interacts probably more than any, anybody else with Janeway and Taurus. Uh, and those two, especially Janeway, like, are clearly not in character. Like, the, those two are clearly, like, they keep on talking about how awesome he is, and like, he tells Jenny what to do, and she's the captain of the ship, and she's yeah, like, yeah whatever you want to do is cool. And, I did, the, and- I,
0: I wondered if it was intentional or not, but it, yeah, I felt like, even like, in ways that, like, that it was shot, like, I feel like the, I noticed, it, especially, like, with Tor like, less with Janeway as with Torres of, like, just the way, like, it was shot, or, like, the, what the camera would focus on, like, I feel like or maybe it was just because of the the Maquis outfit instead of the Starfleet uniform but it felt like it like sort of portrayed her just slightly more like sexually than i feel like that character usually is if that makes mm. sense
1: i don't know um, what's that but that could be i don't know uh,
0: but yeah i do i do what you're saying that they they were kind of more than anyone's the ones that like i agree not to the same extent as like Hollow pursuits but did kind of like fawn over him a little bit
1: yeah, it definitely seemed that there is like a weird gendered aspect of the stuff that he does in those episodes and also like a way to take out his feelings of the impotence that he feels, not necessarily sexual impotence, <laughs> but like the impotence just that he feels in his own life. And that's that can be something that you can struggle with and you can be like an okay person, I think, like as long as you, you know, are aware of that stuff and deal with it. But also, this is not the way to do that, you know, like this is this is it's this weird feeling that I was getting when I was watching this, where it, it seemed like they kind of invented like an incel, like before that was a thing. Where <laughs> it's this person who who like in his own life feels very uh, ineffectual and is kind of like frustrated about this, and maybe f- feels like women aren't going to be with him or, or anything like that, and so then pines for this alternate version of reality where. He doesn't really have to make any changes to himself, but he is...
0: Kind of gets what he thinks he deserves.
1: Yeah, he's desirable and he gets what he deserves and stuff. And there's other episodes with Reg, too. Even, again, I like that character. Like, there are other episodes with Reg, too, where they, they kind of dive into this stuff. You know, I think the, the one where he has the phobia of transporters is a little bit more sympathetic. But, like, the second episode he's in, he basically takes over the ship after his brain merges with a computer. And he kind of ends up having the superiority complex where he feels like he is better than everyone else on the ship because he's so smart. Um, And you know, that's partially the computer talking, but also I think that's not necessarily like out of line with like this characterization. And so that makes it even worse when he's rewarded at the end of it, because it's not even just that he's addicted. It's not even just that he's lonely. It's that like, he is acting out these fantasies that are not conducive. And if, if they ever were went, beyond these thoughts would be, like, destructive things to, like, interact with real people. Yeah. And, and again, he just, like, everyone's like, yeah, that's fine. You did it, so...
0: Yeah, good, t- good you're job. you for good. You're good at creating wormholes.
1: Because I, I just... I, and that's the thing, you know, is that, like, on a performance level, I thought this was really good. What's the, the name of the guy who plays... Kevin um, Schultz, maybe? Uh, Dwight Schultz. Dwight Schultz, yes. And I think he gives a really good performance... He's genuinely uncomfortable. Like the first scene where he's talking to Troy is just—it's really, really cringy. But like, I think in an intentional in way, it's like, incredibly uncomfortable. And then,
0: yeah,
1: I think he's—he's giving a good performance. Like he's doing what's being asked of him. And maybe this is him bringing some of this stuff to the role. I don't know, but I just think that like where they end up taking it, I don't think is like a good place for it to go. But I don't know. Again, like I said, I was kind of riveted by this episode in a way. I think at first for good reasons and then at the end kinda of for bad reasons. A strange a strange, strange episode for sure. Yeah. I don't know that I have like a lot more to say about it other than that though. you know, any other any other like thoughts that we wanted to make sure we, we covered?
0: I don't think so. Again I I also took very little like written notes about this, so but I can't really think of anything else that I remember feeling or thinking to to say.
1: Mm-hmm. And I don't think you're wrong about like the the mental illness stuff. I hope that didn't come through that I was like trying to contradict you. I just found something about this so creepy, <laughs> and so I think that is what like really compounded my my distaste for the end of it is that I feel like there was an additional layer there, and that doesn't that doesn't necessarily contradict the idea that they foist they foist all of these problems on this one person. But yeah. So, yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of uh, Out of Contracts. We are part of the Kaleidoscope Media Network of Podcasts. So if you, if you like our show, maybe you want to check out some of the other shows that are on the network. Uh, we've got That's Not How Science Works, which is a uh, science in pop culture uh, discussion podcast and there's a uh, wizard study which is a show by harry potter and then there's the aforementioned here's johnny which is a show about kind of horror topics and uh you know those are all uh good shows check them out we were we were on an episode of that's How science works uh at this point probably a couple months ago i think um so you can go check we're in, we're in one of the uh lost in space uh episodes that, that they talked about so definitely check that out for us you can follow us on Twitter at Contracts, you can email us at outofcontracts at gmail.com or you can visit our website at outofcontracts.podbean.com Contracts is spelled C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S
0: Be sure to join us next. We're going to be watching another Voyager episode. It'll be uh, season two, episode 22. It's called Innocence.
1: All right. Yeah. So we will see that. We will be back uh, in in two weeks to talk about that. And uh, so you can if you want you can watch the episode and then and listen along. So thanks everybody for listening.
0: Thanks everybody.
1: Bye.